welcome to IntelliCast. This is Season 3, Episode 40, which I realized about five seconds ago. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining. Joining me today, um, right now, is Brian Peterson, producer Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, how are you? I'm all right. We have a great guest today, Arunati Dandapani. I hope I got that name right. She told me, but it's tough. I apologize for my poor English. Um, she's the founder at Generation1.ca. CA.ca stands for Canada. I learned that in today's episode. Um, she is the chief editor at Marketing Research Intelligence Association, which is a Canadian association, um, along with being the founder. And she does a million things. She's really interesting. I think you'll enjoy this interview. Real quick, this episode brought to you by EMI. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Follow us on Twitter at EMI underscore research and IntelliCast1, and you can call, leave us a voicemail. You can text us at 513-401-5463. Brian Peterson, what's going on? Oh, it has been a week, and I know you and I were talking off air. It feels like that for you as well. Yeah. It just seems like we have a million things going on right now. A million things going on, and one thing that I told people internally today, you may appreciate this, that in Cincinnati last night at the Cincinnati Reds baseball game, our television play-by-play announcer had a gaffe with a hot mic. Yes, he did. It's really kind yes. of a it's kind of a sad story. Um, he's probably going to be fired, and you can argue the merits of that or not. But I did tell people that as also someone in the entertainment industry, I'm also worried about hot mics and the things that we say getting out. <laughs> Maybe not to his level, but I certainly worry about it. And we talk about it all the time. Like, you know, you could probably, if you wanted to blackmail me, you probably could. You have a lot of evidence on me um but it's kind of nerve-wracking always having a camera in your face or someone videotaping or you know for us a podcast with a mic and you never know what you're gonna say but i did want to kind of bring that up yeah yeah it was unfortunate last night i didn't see the game but i saw that i saw all of this stuff this morning yeah the, the apology i watched live and it was Oh, it was just awkward because someone hits a home run during his apology, and he had to, he called the home run during a, a very heartfelt apology, sincere. But he, he, you know, he wasn't sure if he should be calling the home run, and then he did. But um, you know, that's Cincinnati news. Yeah, I think I saw that the Reds suspended him today, but that was I think that was yeah. it. Yeah, he left in the middle of the game last night um, after his apology. So yeah, awkward situation. Um, what do you want to talk about? Want to talk about Canada? Sure, let's do it. We both have secret topics about Canada that the other one doesn't know what the topic is. So this should be interesting. Yeah, this should go real well. Our, our guest, our guest is from Canada. Producer Brian, as longtime listeners of the show know, is from Canada, and we used to make fun of Canada a lot. We haven't done that as much this year. No, Mostly you don't have your compatriot to do it. Yes. <laughs> The ratio of Americans to Canadians is even this year, so you're not outnumbered. You want to do your topic first or mine? Sure. As our listeners will hear throughout the interview, um, she dropped five different known <laughs> brands within okay. Canada that only one is known here in the U.S., and I'm going to name them for you and see if you know what they are. The oh, first one is going to be a gimme, Tim Hortons. Ah, Tim Hortons. Yeah, of course. I've, you know, coffee, hockey player. Didn't Wendy's acquire them or something? Yes. Yeah, they own part, the whole conglomerate that owns Wendy's and that, yeah, they own. 
a good portion of Tim Hortons as well. One for one. One for one. Next one. Zellers. Nope. Never heard of Zellers. It sounds like it'd be a potato chip. No. That would be similar to a Kmart. It is a Uh store that is no longer in business. Kind of like Kmart. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One for two. Next one. Loblaws. Loblaws? Loblaws. Yes. First of all, that's a fake word. Secondly, if it were real, it'd be a candy bar. No, but I'll give you partial credit. It's a grocery okay. store chain, so they will sell candy bars. Oh, yeah. That was a total guess. Inter- Loblaws. That's so weird. Come on, Canada. Next one. Is, are there we- are there Wegmans in Canada? There are not, no. Okay. LCBO. Nope. Uh, not even to get. The liquor store. Liquor store. Oh, really? You have like a national liquor store? Yes. So unlike here in the U.S. where I can go buy beer at the grocery store or hard liquor at the liquor store, the LCBO will sell you wine and liquor and you have to go buy beer at a specific beer at a store called the beer store. (laughs) And just as a reminder, return your bottles. (laughs) Right. Interesting. So I do have a story behind the return your bottle part. Sophomore year college, we went up to Canada for spring break because we were all a bunch of poor college students. So we went for a weekend of gambling and such. And it was, my friends did not know that you returned the beer bottles to the beer store. So we went up and down our hotel room, like our hotel's hallways, because all of the other Americans there that were staying in that hotel had just left their empty cases of beer outside their room and we took them. And we probably paid for all our beer while we were there. <laughs> That's college for you, even in Canada. Yeah. Yep. Last one. Shoppers. Did you pause there on purpose? Shoppers? No. Shoppers. Shoppers. I mean, no, I don't know what that is. That is a drugstore chain. Shoppers. Okay. Shoppers <laughs> Drug Mart. Yes. Okay. Oh, Canada. She mentions all of these throughout the interview. And after she mentioned shoppers, I think that was the first one she touched on. I realized you probably had no idea what she was talking about. So I started keeping track. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I don't remember any of those brands being mentioned. Not at all. Even Tim Hortons. I don't remember her mentioning that. Yeah, that was right at the end. Okay. I'm obviously a great listener during the interview. (laughs) I'm just thinking about what else to ask. Cool. Good game. I've got one for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm going to list some things about Canada. You tell me, you tell me if it's weird or cool. All right. Okay. Weird or cool. First one, Michael J. Fox. Cool. Absolutely cool. Justin Trudeau. Depends on where you sat on the political spectrum, but I'll go cool. Okay. Ketchup chips. Delicious. (laughs) All right. Toonie. Do you know? Yes. I know you what know a toonie, toonie is. Okay. Yes, I know what toonie. Not a fan? Oh, really? Too many coins. Too many yeah. coins. See, I think toonies are cool. And for those of you, most of you probably don't know what a toonie is. I had to Google it. It's a $2 coin, right? It is. It came out when I was in middle school. Okay. I think it's cool. I wish we had a $2 coin here in America or $1. Well, we, I guess we kind of have $1 coin. Um, Okay. You don't think it's cool. You don't like it. All right. Yeah, it's all right. Okay. 
I, I knew back. when they when they first came back. I'll go get your answer yours in a second. But okay. when they first came out, a lot of people popped out the middle to make to use that, and literally within a month, they're like, "Yeah, please stop doing that," and they made oh. that illegal. Okay. Um, Nickelback. Cool favorite band. I'll admit it. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I love about you. Bags of milk. I like it. I know a lot of people don't. Uh, particularly when I show when I took my wife up to Canada and I showed her that and she went, "What the hell's this?" It's hard to believe a bag of milk. Yeah. Hey, it's in there. It's fresher milk because once it's open, you got like once you open a gallon, it goes quickly. It seems to go bad quickly. The bag is only is quite a bit less, so you can get through. It's fresher, I find. Okay, but that's just me. It goes straight from cow to your kitchen in Canada, I guess. Yeah. Um, Tom Green. That's a pass for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. No. What about British English? I I I'm fine with it. Okay. Here in the U.S., we're the only ones who don't add the U. Right. Keep in mind, there's also areas where you have to do RE versus ER. Yes. Yep. I had Tim Hortons on here. I think you find that cool, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Justin Bieber. Not a fan, even though he is a big fan of my hockey team as well. Um, How is he? I hate to admit that. Yes, he is. Okay. That would be the that's the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Die hard. Don't care. Go ahead. Yeah. Last one. The movie Strange Brew. I've actually not heard of that one. Oh my gosh. All right. Let me tell you about Strange Brew. Rick Moranis, Dave Thomas uh, was like a Canadian comedian. You have to watch Strange Brew. It is a comedy in the early 80s that anyone that was born in the 70s obsessed over. Obsessed. We quoted this movie for 15 years of my life. It takes place in Canada. The plot line is horrible, but um, it's about beer and hockey and, you know, stereotypical Canadian stuff. They talk stereotypical Canadian about um, Hozier and A and stuff. Um, take off, eh? That's like a famous thing that my, my friends said to each other for years. Okay. So I looked this up. Yeah. And this movie came out two years prior to my birth. Okay. You have to watch it. I promise okay. you, watch it, and a couple episodes, you can give your movie review. Okay. I have one for you. If you want to find a show, Letterkenny. You can find it on Hulu. Yeah. I have my wife's... I'm, I've watched four seasons of it, and I laugh hysterically. My wife came in one day and sat down and watched an episode with me and just sat there. I said, don't you find that funny? She goes... I would if I understood what the hell they were saying. Like, they're talking, <laughs> yeah. they're speaking English. She goes, I don't think they are. Yeah. That's fun. All right. I'll have it looked down. Oh, one more. Kenny versus Spenny. Cool. Yeah. I love Kenny versus Spenny. It was probably my favorite kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, a comedy reality show for a period of time. Um, hilarious. Love those guys. I'm not sure how much was re- I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, we had two, uh, two bonus Canadian segments today, but neither of us knew the other one had one coming on the episode. <laughs> Would love feedback. Right segments. Right <laughs> segments. Right. Um, should we get an interview? I think so. I think before we jump in, though, one, the interview was very was cool. It covered a lot of. In, it covered 
the cannabis research piece, and that was a really interesting topic. Yeah. It was mentioned at one point that it's projected to overtake beer in Canada, which I find very hard to believe. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say uh, this on here too. I don't care if it's recorded. Canadian beer is better than American beer. Oh, no. Fact. Fact. That's not a fact at all. (laughs) I will say this, keeping in mind, I don't buy Canadian beer in the U.S. because it's brewed here. It doesn't taste right. See, if if our former host slash co-host were here now, you would not hear the end of this because that's just ridiculous. Um, But my favorite beer is not American or Canadian, so I don't know if I can even argue with you too much. To your point, yes, she is passionate about cannabis research. She is super knowledgeable about it. There's, um, she'll talk about that for quite a while, actually, the work that she does. She's super involved in other organizations, um, lots of organizations. I have no idea how she finds the time to do what she does. Um, she hasn't lived in Toronto very long, but she's super active, and um, she helps immigrant small businesses get on their feet and with marketing and things. So what else, What else, Brian? I interrupted you. Uh- no, I think that I think you covered a good chunk of it there. Okay. Yeah, so I think it's a great interview. Hope you uh, listen to the whole thing, and um, here's Arundhati. Joining us now is Arundhati Dandapani. She is the founder of GenerationOne.ca and the chief editor at the Marketing Research and Intelligence Association. Hello. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so happy. And the .ca, uh, is that Canada? Yes, that's correct. Okay. We'll start off with that. I, I don't know my uh, internet. Was it a suffix? <laughs> I'm still learning. A lot of people will make for California, though. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe California will take it over from Canada at some point. It wouldn't surprise me if they try to infringe upon Canada. They already did with hockey. But anyway, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Um, love to hear more about your background. It sounds like you have a pretty extensive background. Love to hear more about it. Thank you. I have been um, I have been chipping away, I guess, at the intersection of uh, publishing and media for the past two decades now. And um, along the way, I've done some journalism, done some um, some script writing, some copywriting, done a bit of different kind of exposure to different kinds of media throughout my early career and then and commerce has always been my my background per se but but it was market research that I just jumped into about six years ago and that's when I that's because I I think I understood then that you know data literacy would really help the less prosperous industries and other sectors and actually offering unique opportunities and roads to success at that time uh, a lot of publishers were fearing uh, being made extinct because of electronic publishing but that never happened ebooks never took over eclipse physical books but at that time when when that was a fear it it still it seemed like a good opportunity to um, to become data literate and to understand how the world of market research and data science and big data were operating. And I felt like that was the, that was the critical moment. And, and I think there was no turning back since. Oh, wow. So you've, you've, you've only been in research really for about six years, right? Is that what you said? Yes. Yes. It, it, it's kind of, but uh, I mean, I, I've just, my whole life, just, over 20 years, I've just been in, in publishing and you know, what, with, with, with stories because I used to write a lot of stories for the in local newspaper and, um, and magazines and, uh, and then that's how then I got onto digital platform and TV and television. And, and I fell into media research first because I joined Chorus Entertainment and that's where I, um, I understood how um, how audio and video were were really were really what every company was looking to up their strategy on, and 
Right. And then that brought me to Toronto. And uh, that's when I got exposed to the gig economy here and okay. found a lot of entrepreneurial energy in, in Toronto, which was very much like Bombay, where I used to work and, and live many years ago before when I was still in publishing. And and, and I think but except that this is uh, that Toronto is, of course, a, a microcosm and it's it's um, and it's small and you know everyone and it, you you can it, it's as if business is, business is happening all the time on the streets, but it, it, it's less muted and it's more... This was, I'm talking about two years back when I came to Toronto and I moved from Ottawa. Ottawa was more the government town. It was quite peaceful. People raised their families and had their uh, were and had good government jobs and went to the beautiful parks and... Right. It was less urbanized like uh, like Toronto, but Toronto had its uh, had a lot of opportunity. And if you weren't looking for... Or if you weren't... Uh, you want in typical roles, then I think Toronto was the place where you could actually cross disciplines and work across sectors and meet uh, different, get, get, get exposed to different kinds of projects, um, both startups and big companies and small ones and right. understand how uh, it was working. And, and I think that the exposure to tech here really is, is something that, uh, that I and, and several people, I think, who work here value a lot. Okay, awesome. And then it looks like you weren't in Toronto very long when you founded Generation One CA. Is that right? Yes, yes. It, it was um, about uh, three years ago, and it was it came off the the need or um, so. So Generation One CA it's a cross sectoral resource that uh, curates narratives across uh, culture and and uh, cultures and, and geopolitics to connect newcomers to brands and and brands to Canada's fastest growing demographic. And these are immigrant professionals across sectors. They've uh, got very very professional experience. So it, it was born out of uh, the need to address their integration and settlement challenges and opportunities and, and give a voice to, to the frictions that arise when different cultural worldviews and values and visions interact to foster a truly uh, unique and multifaceted marketplace. And I think that there's something magical that happens when, when so many different value systems and, um, and, and different, form, different kinds of communication styles are, are all trying to create a sense of the, of the marketplace and a sense of themselves and sense of the world around them. It's just, uh, you're creating new context here and there's a lot of hyper context that's being created. And, and I, I just uh, wanted to do, uh, draw on that space because this is something employers don't, may not have access to. And, and this is that kind of insight that the people you work with or your neighbors or whoever may not have access to. So I just wanted to create that space where, where, where people can tell these uh, stories that, that yes, draw from their subjectivity but provide context to how they choose to make decisions because because objectivity is uh, because objective humanities is, is very has has different forms and I, I just hoped to give this as a branding opportunity for for people who just come here and uh, and connect with others and, and and I love publishing so I needed to build every model every business model around a publication strategy and I think that's that's what I wanted to I'm uh, yeah okay obviously Toronto is one of the more diverse um, cities in. North America. Um, I'm looking on your on the website, and it looks like you offer a lot of opportunities to people to talk about pretty cool topics. You have um, seeking separate spaces and inclusivity and in esports, which is kind of interesting. Kinesis of great leadership, storytelling for data scientists, basketball on the goal, what brands learn from the pandemic, and so you. It seems like you're partnering with a lot of different people on this. Is that is that fair to say? 
Yes, yes, and that's uh, that's that's what I enjoy the most, like collaborating across sectors and organizations. And yeah. I think um, I think my role at the MRI also offers me the opportunity to really to really connect across uh, different parts of industry to find voices and um, and and needs and and you know that find traditionally or through uh, th- through just um, you know plain advertising or, or anything. I think um, I, when you when you ask people to to write about certain certain issues that really matter to them, and you're able to use data empowered narratives i think it really uh, helps them feel proud of their the work that they've contributed and they're proud of being part of something bigger i really enjoy it the most part uh, they also really enjoy it and and i think um i think it's documenting our progress as industry goes and and we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow but i think it's uh, it, it's fun as as long as it's it's moving directionally i think uh, I think we're creating coherence and this is going to be a value to both consumers and society and workplaces okay and this is really interesting. So if if someone moves to Toronto, how do they kind of find you? Is it in their, their friend group or how would someone get a hold of you or no, become aware of you? Um, you? How would they get to my website? Yeah, like if, if someone was new there and maybe they were thinking about doing a startup or a small business or something, how would, how would they become aware of you and kind of get involved? Usually, it comes to me through a website or LinkedIn. I think most of it uh, comes through LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn or Shaper, or um, yeah, it, it's mostly through social networking, Twitter. Uh, but I think it, it's mostly through these, yeah, yeah, it's mostly through these social networks that uh, that they become aware of this. And uh, I, I actively reach out to different organizations and uh, to see where we can collaborate. And that's 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 where I find more people as well. And then they, once I know them, then they connect me with more people. Okay. I mean, I used to go to a lot of events and now we're planning a lot of virtual events as well. So it's been a lot of, it, it's very enjoyable. So long as people are enthused by the idea of, of publication and, and really think that it, uh, it's, it's going to help them, which, uh, which I think it does. Many people say it does. And it, it yeah. just... <laughs> okay. And it looks like even though you've only been in research for a few years that you, I mean, I know this, you're an active member of APOR, SMR, Vivadata, QRCA, MRIA, and the Insights Association. That's a lot, that seems like a lot right there. Just becoming active in all those organizations. Yes, and I think that's um, uh, being being across that has helped me uh, in 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 collaborating with experts across these disciplines and also understand new ways people are uh, trying to treat data storytelling um, and how they're creating new formats and and methods and um, and I think. It's also helped me diversify into tech and uh, dated with with the tech with technology and how what how they're using technology to um, to improve their research methods and uh, I, I think all of that or or to tell better stories all of that has been of uh, has been something I've been tracking and following and whether it's video audio it's a very uh, diverse marketplace and there's there's a lot and there's all these conferences that they have online these uh, IEX and um, yeah. And it's next, and and we were also going to have a conference in September, but then uh, a lot of conferences yeah. had to move online or got get postponed. So, so, so no, it, it 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 has been it has been. Uh, I think it as as a research as a professional, being a member of all these associations really is of uh, is of value and really helps. Uh, right. If you especially if you're creating something that you think is is relevant is of relevance to the industry that has not been um, that has not been created before. Right. It looks like you've also won some industry awards. I'm looking at like APOR 2020 Burns Bud Roper Fellow. I'm not familiar with that because I don't win awards, but tell me about that. Well, that was um, I was giving a presentation. I, I applied to be a present uh, to give a presentation and um, to do a presentation for their annual conference uh, in Georgia. 
know, it was supposed to happen this June. Yeah. And um, and then the pandemic happened and they made it virtual, which was the best part. Like, I really appreciated how they all, especially the conference chair, Mandy Shashi, and the whole uh, the whole executive team and everybody and the whole, all the whole membership. They were really were so supportive and created something. They improvised on this uh, first of its kind virtual conference in Apoor history. So that was... Uh, uh, first, it was the first virtual conference I think I participated in. Yes, and uh, and uh, to get to present there was uh, was really uh, this award was was uh, the opportunity to allow me to present at the conference, present my paper at the conference. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Provided the financial uh, support, and it it was. Uh, it, it allowed me to give my research in cannabis a uh, broader stage, which I always love the opportunity to talk about cannabis research. And it, it just, uh, it was a popular presentation and uh, I, I received feedback from both members, but also non-members because I did put it among industry circles as well. That's awesome. And it looks like, were you part of the 2019 Grit Futures list as well? Yes. Oh, yes, that was 2019, yes. Yeah, was that was that at IEX in Austin? Is that correct? Yes, yes, yes. I presented there as well on, on cannabis research. I presented on, uh, uh, the, the, yes, I was I was presenting, and I remember um, it was in Texas, and then there was a lot of. It was. It was not. Yeah. It, it was. It was very. It was very spread out, and and so many different halls and so many different booths, and um, yeah, and nobody was presenting on cannabis, and I think uh, everybody was in tech or something else, and I think yeah. it was really, I, I I didn't get any response at the event but it was more after the event at the uh evening ev- i mean what i mean is i like the yeah. app and everything but you know it was more at the evening <laughs> when everybody actually I, they were talking to me around presentation that's when i felt that they actually were listening to my presentation because they had so many questions and i was so excited to be able to actually uh talk about uh talk about the cannabis research given that it was still so new in canada then and i mean even now it is but it, i mean it's made a lot of strides since since then, since 2019. I'd love to talk about the cannabis research. I was at IEX and um, it's it's my favorite conference, but it's also very stressful because of what you said. It's just, there's presentations all over the place and there's a giant vendor hall and there's a million people and you're running around. It's very challenging because a lot of times I have to pick and choose which presentation I want to see. And there might be two or three that I want to see and you can only, you know, obviously be one place at one time. Um, so I'd love to hear maybe about kind of the cannabis research that you that you um, presented on and the research that you've done. Yes, thank you. Uh, so um, at that time, it was I was doing more pre-legalization and, and post-legalization. You know, I presented pre-legalization and post-legalization research at the same time in Canada, and I was um, I was talking. I used. Uh, I think that the major, the motivation or for these these presentations, uh, I think um, perhaps I can talk about it later, but the motivation is, is really that uh, we can can uh, talk, can spread more awareness around cannabis and cannabis education, and but also create create stories around this, and so people can read at their leisure, and uh, it, it's it's distributed across outlets, and I think um, there's so many issues, and there's I work with the one, uh, I think the, the one thing about this is both presentations and the publications with keep. In, in, including data and publications as well is, is about making research accessible and interesting and, and newsworthy and uh, to make to, to to make sure that we all can uh, really say that yeah research stands for something. So um, I work with wonderful I work with wonderful teams at Vivi Data and uh, to synthesize the value of their uh, Canadian cannabis study as well as other surveys. 
into uh, findings or stories for consumers, businesses, and society, and and have scratched probably just the surface, but we have created an opportunity like never before, where uh, mixing, um, combining research with publication and and spreading, making sure that market intelligence is widely spread and and, and published. And I think that for a fast-growing space like cannabis, where in Canada there are close to one in four current users. The most popular source of research and information um, is, is is really websites and outlets. So that's over half of Canadians look for uh, Canadian users look look for information from websites and search engines uh, that they follow by you know cannabis users and family and friends. So so it becomes then important for insights and data storytellers to uh, to really flood these outlets with, with the best and most insightful stories. Okay, and I don't know the answer. Is is cannabis is is um, completely legal in Canada? Yes. So um, in, it, it, on, in 2018 is when uh, it, it was legal. 2019 marked two years. Uh, 2018 was just uh, Cannabis 1.0. 2019 was Cannabis 2.0, where other formats um, came into the market like edibles, uh, edibles, beverages, vapes, uh, concentrate extracts. So it, it's been... Uh, I'll share. So, so the Vivida National Studies is basically it's a quantitative online survey of uh, around five thousand thirty-six Canadians, and which includes oh, wow. three thousand five hundred users and fifteen thirty-six uh, non-users. Wow. So there's there are six billion uh, users of cannabis, um, and twenty-two. I mentioned twenty-two percent uh, are are can are current users. Thirty uh, percent have used just once, and seventy percent have never consumed it. Okay. Um, of, of of this consumption, of these consumption patterns, um, weekly users have been the most popular among cannabis users, with a quarter of all current users being weekly users. And again, users driven by the younger demographics, but it's uh, it, it shifts to the senior Zoomer and senior demographics when it's it's the health and wellness space, and uh, I can talk about it later. But uh, I just want to say that uh, it's, it's this is here an eight billion dollar industry where both the legal and illegal share of wallet um, uh, combined is um, is eight billion dollars, and it this is based on an average monthly spend of uh, one hundred and seven dollars. Wow. So uh, the problem is that um, the legal market is, is just worth under $2 billion, and uh, that's uh, only 25% of the weight of the actual cannabis floating in the marketplace. So, so this is the challenge, uh, but also the opportunity where retailers, can, retailers and brands can actually um, find ways to create better pathways for the gray market and uh, the legacy market to actually transition into legal market. Now, did, you, did you say that only 25% of the consumption is from legal um, tales. Is that right? Only twenty five percent of this of the weight of cannabis in the marketplace is um, is is actually so. So the legal market is just two billion dollars, but that's only twenty five percent of the weight of cannabis that's floating in the the weight of cannabis that's floating in the market. So seventy five percent of the cannabis in the floating in the market is right now illegal. So wow, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> that's really fascinating. Um, and so, will you be continuing to do this research? Is this yes, yes. Uh, you know, the, the next wave is, is is cannabis 3.0, which is going to be about edibles, and then after that is cannabis 4.0, which is about uh, so cannabis 3.0 is all the different formats, and cannabis 4.0 is about how uh, we're using technology uh, and cannabis, combining technology and cannabis to uh, to record usage consumption. And and to also to harness the power of other cannabinoids, the people are just talking about THC and CBD, which are the two main compounds in in cannabis. Uh, one is a psychoactive, one is a non-psychoactive, and 
and there are there, there there are different formulations uh, that can be made with with the other less talked about cannabinoids to create both recreational and medical formulations that help uh, that help people who want to use those. But but there's there's still a lot of research uh, underway, and uh, there is still uh, that that will be the next phase. And uh, companies are trying to get into that space, cannabis 4.0. Uh, where the Internet of Things, AI, blockchain, all of this is going to be used to to track. This sounds like a lot of work. Do you have people that are also help you with this? So is this a, that's a lot of respondents to analyze. Uh, so uh, I mean, I uh, they they do the data. They have the data, and generally, I keep abreast of the issues that are affecting the marketplace, and I try and understand what I need to uh, what I need to talk about, what stories I need to tell, and I have a content plan, and that I and I use I analyze data from their. Uh, data sets and then create the stories from from there they are very generous with their data and i um able to uh, write these articles and uh, and create presentations that really uh, talk about the state of cannabis education cannabis awareness uh, also attitudes and perceptions towards cannabis uh, across these demographics that's that's fascinating and and what's even more wonderful is that I can cross these variables with with their larger um, uh, survey of the Canadian consumer, which uh, which talks about uh, which, which talks about their media habits, technology habits, automotive habits, shopping habits, right, personal preferences, uh, uh, right. political statements, beliefs, etc. So it's so that's 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 very interesting. I mean, it takes right, uh, yes, but but I do it, and I um I have uh I have more plans, and I just uh, I just think that this is my niche. Yeah, absolutely. You just see the, you can feel the passion coming out about this topic with you. And um, if people have questions or they want um, maybe to see your presentation, um, how can they reach out to you? Should they email you or go to LinkedIn? Yes, yes, they can do both. They can email reach LinkedIn. My email is it in my website, or it's I can give it. It's, it's arundhatiya generation one dot ca, but it's also on my website generation one dot ca, and LinkedIn is always there. And I have put up, I have posted some of these blog posts and presentations on on the website as well. And when do the when do you think the third and the fourth wave of this? When when will that occur? The third is actually people are already trying to get into that. So so cannabis two point is the is the different formats, but the third, which is involves technology, um, which is a uh, blockchain, internet of things, AI, all of that. Uh, people are already trying to create their strategy with um, with those companies to to get into the space early. Uh, like for example, online dispensaries might uh, want to. Uh, might want to track uh, their consumers want and be able to serve their the consumers closest to them better or even potential consumers right. or not. Uh, so it's there's a there's a lot of opportunity there and and of, of course across the provinces uh, the, the challenges and opportunities are different. Also acceptance levels. One thing I want to say that stigma has come down a lot. Um, Post legalization and and support has also increased. But and in fact the consumption of cannabis has eclipsed tobacco consumption but a majority of canadians still think it's acceptable to, to consume alcohol so so cannabis beverages really have a big challenge uh, if they want to displace an alcohol consumer base uh, even as the opportunity exists and uh, and brands have have already pushed interesting new products on the shelf maybe maybe alcohol brands need to tap into the cannabis the way uh, pepsi or coke sees the bottled water space to grow their market share but but even in the medical communities it, it feels like the the acceptability among users has has definitely increased but the among the physician community where there is still uh, still a lot of a lot more needs to be done and shoppers drug mart has done numerous surveys as well on uh, how um, on how the, the the awareness levels among uh, the physician community 
can be raised or should be raised. This m- makes me think of the the health and wellness, uh, which I didn't talk about at all. But but I think what makes cannabis most interesting is is, is the wellness, health and wellness part, and it. it's been so disruptive. Yeah. Because it's it makes it it normalizes uh, cannabis and, and health and wellness is what is going to bring cannabis to the mainstream. And health and wellness and one more thing and, and pushing it to uh, grocery stores and people when it all is available in grocery stores like Costco and um, and, and Loblaws and and uh, LCBOs. But 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 health and wellness uh, the, the the top reasons why uh, health and wellness has been people have enjoyed health and wellness uh, or the top reasons why uh, health and wellness cannabis users consume are for positive experiences, preference for the for a natural product. Product and perceptions of safety around cannabis over other medicines. Um, in fact, uh, 56% of uh, potential users are motivated to use uh, cannabis for health and wellness because they, they prefer a natural a natural product. And uh, it is it is and among the top users of cannabis, it is the growth in the wellness health and wellness space, both from uh, in the health and wellness cannabis user, both from pre legalization to post legalization, that has seen the most uh, most increase from 32% of Canadian users in uh, in 2018 to 41% in 2019. So, uh, okay. Again, according to Vivitera. So. Uh, so, so this the, the rise in, in consumption has been from in this space, and it's mostly it's driven by it, it's it's uh, it's valued at four point three billion dollars annually, and uh, it's it's this is driven purely by uh, by Zoomers and seniors who who prefer health and wellness remedies over medications with side effects. Yeah, and and because of the the good uh, the good um, uh, other, uh, and the, I said a little bit earlier that that health analysts would probably be responsible for normalization. This is because uh, just an under I mean just under a third of all Canadian adults report having positive experience, positive brand perceptions of uh, established health and wellness brands if they were to launch a can a product containing cannabis. So so just this this stat alone I think is indicative or is pr- pr- gives us suggestions on how uh, health and wellness could be responsible for further promoting positive perceptions in, in community and uh, on brand and how brands can look at health and wellness first as the way to uh, to get their cannabis consumers. Okay. This is so fascinating. And I would encourage listeners, if you want more information, um, I think you're an encyclopedia on the topic. And so um, I think they should reach out to you because um, it's such, such a relevant current topic. would love to move on to our 4P section, if that's okay. Let's get to know you a little bit better. This is uh, the normal uh, marketing mix. We kind of mixed it up a little bit. I'll ask you a few questions. The first one is perform. What's something that people don't know about you? Do you have any hidden talents? <laughs> uh, so I think these sound like two separate questions. So uh, m- most people don't know that I met uh, I met I met um, former U.S. President Mr. Jimmy Carter back in in 2005, and I greeted him as a studio guest in the major public broadcast network. Oh my gosh! Where, where was this? At? <laughs> this is at Book TV. Uh, he just released a book, and uh, it was, it was, he was giving the he was appearing on the show, and I was assisting the producers. So this was, uh, uh, and then we exchanged names and, and handshakes. But um, and he asked what the meaning of my name was. But uh, it, it was a that was a one rare fact that I think it's it's good for a, good for all U.S. audience to know. <laughs> and and I, I love telling my networks about it sometimes. I mean, I, I don't I, I, when. When you, don't, when you mentioned this, don't know about you, then I, I think this is what I, I thought about. But um, but I have to, uh, but for hidden talent, and I think this is something often others others can know more, but, but I, I think it's it comes from being um, a, a bit intuitive and manifesting in both serious and non-serious contexts. So um, a few years ago, I'm, I'm going to give a slight example. A few years ago, I, I had to come up with a Halloween costume for a gathering and uh, really was in no mood to... Um, 
to, to dress up or be like anyone else. Uh, but but then suddenly I, was, I remembered all the, the things that were on my mind and then I rushed, I dashed to the closest dollar store, gathered a brown scarf and sun goggles, dug into my collection of uh, used Tim Horton uh, coffee mugs and ended up making, uh, crafting a really great imitation of the leaky littered coffee cup. And and, and this was in the this was in the wake of negative press surrounding uh, poorly designed coffee lids and uh, uh, and it, it ended up being well received and actually framed some positive discussions around usability that, that, that spoke to the power of constructive criticism. So um, it just, like when, when, when you make something about an issue, just sometimes some um, ends up being a, a lot more <laughs> a lot more interesting and a lot more fun so but i think the, the, the intuition really helped there and, and people it was a good uh, it was a good choice yeah absolutely i um you know back to jimmy carter he i think he's he's got to be close to 100 years old it's amazing and what i mean he was president over 40 years ago and he dedicated his life to just giving back in service which is amazing and i think that he's really at some point, hopefully many years from now, we'll, talk, you know, we'll get to talk about all of his achievements after post-presidency because he, he lived such an amazing life. That's awesome that you got to meet him. Yes, I, I was, uh, he was one of two presidents, I think, I met. One of two? Yes. <laughs> who, was, who was the other president? The other was the Indian president. Uh, and But uh, I've met the U.S. president yeah. before I met the Indian president. This was long ago, um, before he died. I think he died uh, a few years ago and... Uh, yeah. I, I'd written my first book when I was, uh, I just released my book and I sent a letter. And so he, he, he wrote, or uh, I got to see it because I wrote the book and we signed each other's books. And that was just the, the, uh, the that was also a, a really a tremendous experience. And, but I think, I think these, these, and, and these authors, when you meet these authors and you've, you've, you've spoken to them and you've taken their autograph, I think it's, uh, it just stays there. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's so fascinating. Um, next P is pandemic, and this is my favorite new P word. Um, <laughs> what is something fun or quirky that you've kind of done since the quarantine started? Have you done anything kind of interesting? Yes, thank you. This is fun. Um, so I started, uh, I mean, this is hard work, but this is fun. I, I started hosting uh, blog books on the blockchain to monetize knowledge, communities, and narratives, and have been working with a group in Montreal. Uh, they're the only one in North America and one of two in the world, the other one being in Latvia. So to launch the first installment, and hopefully I'll have more to share soon. But uh, but this is all about ensuring a safer, convenient, and more rewarding digital reading experience. I felt that static reading of these blogs on the website is great and everything, but uh, wanted something more. And I felt that uh, that this format is is allowing you to not be trapped to your specific devices or apps or geographies if you want to lend or resell the book to someone else when you're reading on the blockchain. And this is not one of those fads, I promise. It's one of those e-book categories that has actually witnessed a surge in sales during lockdown going to the data. And I, I'm, I'm really eager to make this model work and so that I can take this to all my other projects as well and uh, uh, we can all uh, prosper. Interesting. That, that's a good one. Not as interesting as my marble racing obsession, but okay. I'm sorry, what? As well? <laughs> well, during the quarantine, I missed out on sports so much that I would find anything to kind of watch and wager on. And one of them was marble racing. And so I found a YouTube channel and it's Yella. He's, I think he's from, he's Dutch and he um, is autistic and he's obsessed with putting together marble racing tracks and he has his brother announce it as if it's like a NASCAR event and they have all of these different tracks and different marbles and teams. And I became really obsessed with it. I still watch it every Sunday 
not nearly as global importance of your blockchain ebook club, but that's what I got. That was my quirky, uh, one of my. Quirky. Oh my god, that is so much fun! Yes, Yelly J E L L E. If you want to Google it, but um, it's it's you know it's kind of mindless TV for those of us that were missing out on sports. I see. Okay, I have to look this up. Yeah, look it up. Not that you're you're not that you're busy enough. Like you don't have a million things to do already. We'll just do one more. Let's do podium. Let's do top three of something. Okay. Um, is there anything you want to do a top three of? And we yes. Can, maybe we'll, we'll talk about it. So I have uh, three, I guess, top three summer reads <laughs> for this year. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, so I, uh, like, uh, 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 it, it's all, it's all. I mean, uh, the personal profession. Like nowadays, you have to. I mean, this is this is, but these are really, really amazing reads that I really think um, uh, really give my summer a new lift, or sort of, you know, give me inspiration to to, to work on my other projects and do I get get on and 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 uh, and create more. So uh, one is the essential role of language and survey research, published by RTI International Press. Now I have to admit that or disclose that uh, one of these chapters, chapter. 11 is written by me but but it, it's, it's really okay. it, it's really okay. it's really like the it, i really the anthology it's been put so put so well put together and it's been such an amazing experience and uh it was edited the editor was also such an amazing person and it was just she worked very hard and it was it came they came out with it in a year it was just magical okay the next one is um influencing health a comprehensive guide to working with online influencers published by rutledge now this one um uh, influences are something i've been uh, observing a lot and uh, their role in in the marketplace and both in research and otherwise and uh, and and their distance with um, how brands are working with them has always been of of great interest to me and to see it in a health and wellness space i think was intriguing because i i didn't I was a little uh, skeptical initially of, of the how they would use it, or I wasn't sure what the what uh, what strategies people adopted, or in in or where they found uh, such. Um, or what their criteria were in their selection, or how to be one, even, even and especially with with cannabis, I think it really it really resonated with me because uh, uh, because health and wellness uh, space, uh, a lot of cannabis brands can possibly look to working with influencers in that space. The, the third one was was, was my uh, I guess my favorite. It's my most recent. No, it's not my favorite. I mean, they're all three good, but uh, out innovate. Uh, how global entrepreneurs from Delhi to Detroit are rewriting the rules of Silicon Valley, published by HBR Press. So this one uh, I've not finished it, but I'm just. Um, so I think the, the, the author is based in uh, was was based in was a Canadian, but was based in Winnipeg, but has uh, been an entrepreneur and uh, worked across uh, different startups and uh, and I think it's giving a good uh, a modern day uh, guide to what what what's really working in in business and I think he's just talking about creation. Wow, it, it's kind of. Uh, like there was one book uh, a few years ago about uh, how you should start up in Chile, and I re- that really st- stuck with me a lot. Um, and I, but that was that was more an Amazon book, an Amazon published book. Which, um, uh, but but this one, it, it's kind of like that. But this one is more the about the global, the global landscape and, and for entrepreneurs. Yeah, that's. I don't know how you find the time to do all this. That's you have a lot on your plate, and you can tell that it's just because you enjoy it, right? It sounds like you just enjoy learning about all these different topics, and that that helps. Thank you, but I yes, I think uh, the the scope creep happens, and that's something to uh, to be very off often. So I have yeah. to keep uh, telling my connections and circles to reconnect with them to and create really uh, hard dead hard like timelines or things or boundaries where I don't uh, you know just uh, get lost in these right. quest for knowledge or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, well, Arundhati, thank you so much for joining. 
I am so excited that you're part of the market research industry and you found us because I think you will help lift us all up and you already have um, in many different ways. So uh, thank you so much for everything you do. And I can't wait to see what other awards you win and what other books you write and how um, you win presentation awards because um, the super impressive background. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Brian. Such an honor to be here. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We we barely scratched the surface, I feel like. And so yeah. um, we learn a lot more at your LinkedIn profile or on your website. And so we'll promote that. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Arunati, for joining us. Um, reach out to her if you have questions about cannabis, Canada, um, how she manages her time. I think she does it just because she's passionate about everything she does, which is a lesson to everyone. To, if you um, do what you love, it's not work, right? I thought I like I enjoyed her story is just kind of fascinating to me. Yeah. And I think we should have her on again at a later time to do some follow-up because she talks about the different waves of the research she's doing and the different legislation that's coming in. So it'd be great yeah. to have a follow-up a follow-up interview with her to see where everything stands. Yeah, we'll have her on and she can play weird or cool and she can, um, she hasn't lived in Canada too long. So we can play your game of awareness of Canadian brands as well. Other Canadian brands. Um, so cool well thanks for listening if you have show ideas topic ideas you want to be a guest reach out to us at telecast at emi-rs follow us on twitter emi underscore research and telecast one and please text us 513-401-5463 thanks everybody This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.